recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Well, this morning, uh, I, I wanted to do something, again, a little bit different. Um, we're, we're not going to dive into Ecclesiastes uh, today as we continue our Broken Series. We'll do that uh, in the weeks ahead. But today is pa- marks the beginning of Passion Week. It, it is Palm Sunday, which is the beginning of Holy Week, Passion Week. Um, and we've got those reflections. So for those of you who didn't, uh, didn't get the email or can't print it out, there are some hard copies that you can grab at the back as well on your way out. Uh, but we really encourage you to, to join in with us in this experience and in this journey and come to the reflection service. And we even encourage you to consider fasting as, you, as the, in the lead up and preparation to Easter. I know a lot of, in a lot of different church traditions, people do that uh, and encourage you, you know, to do that as well. But one of the things we really wanted to do in this week is to give us opportunity to really reflect on Jesus and this last week of Jesus' life and ministry um, and to really engage with Jesus. Usually our our weeks of prayer and fasting, uh, we're praying for the needs of the world or our city or our church uh, and that's kind of what we engage with. But this time we wanted to just do it a little bit differently and just go, you know, we're going to just make this about Jesus. Make this about spending time with him, preparing our hearts for Easter and just journeying with Jesus in this last week. So we're really believing and praying that it's going to be a powerful and rich time and we encourage you to, to participate fully in that. So what I wanted to do this morning is to read from Mark's gospel. It's found in Mark chapter 8, 9, and 10. And you can turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 8, which is where we'll start. The three predictions um, that Jesus gives of his soon coming suffering and death. And what I want to do is just in the time we have left, just draw out some observations and ask you some questions to reflect on. And if, you do, if you're taking notes, if you've got a journal, or you're taking notes on your phone, I'm going to give you a little bit of time to just even jot down some thoughts that come to mind when I ask these questions for you. And just a bit of a warning, they are confronting questions. Um, you know, I was confronted as I've been sitting with this um, all week. Um, and so I encourage you, just take a moment um, to, to do that. And at home, if you need to grab some paper and a pen, uh, we encourage you to join in uh, with us. So the first uh, prediction comes in uh, Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to 33. I'm just going to read the three predictions and then we'll talk about them. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. The second one comes in the next chapter, Mark chapter 9, verses 30 to 32. Uh, They left that place and passed through Galilee. Uh, Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were. Because he was teaching his disciples... And he said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. We're just going to read the next couple of verses too because they're very interesting. 
They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Mark chapter 10, the last one. Verses 32 to 34. They were on their way up to Jerusalem and with Jesus, sorry, they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Now again, read verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Father, we just pray that by your Holy Spirit, as we reflect on these predictions of Jesus, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts. As we reflect on these questions, that Lord, you will speak and challenge us uh, to to really reassess um, what Jesus has accomplished and what it means for us today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first observation is the certainty of suffering that comes out in all of these passages. When you look at Jesus' words, there's no maybe, I I think, he's absolutely sure and certain that these are the things that are ahead for him. He's absolutely certain that he's going to be flogged, he's going to be spat on, he's going to be rejected, he's going to be humiliated, he's going to suffer, he's going to be nailed to a cross, and he's going to die. No doubt. And I guess the, the reflection I want us to consider is, I wonder what we visualize as we think about our future. You know, if, if you're anything like me, I'm sure you're not visualizing a future filled with pain and suffering. Probably the opposite. You're visualizing a future with no pain, no suffering. And yet Jesus is certain about the suffering that is awaiting him just at the end of this week. So my question to you is, what if God showed you that his plan and purpose for you included pain and suffering? How would you respond to him? What if God gave you a glimpse, not just for this next week, next month, next year, and showed you that there was going to be pain, suffering, rejection, humiliation, disappointment, grief, how would you respond to him? It's a challenging question. The second observation is the resoluteness of Jesus. And this just blows me away. You know, in in every passage, in, in light of the certainty of suffering, we see Jesus determined to get to Jerusalem. He's not running away. He's not running the opposite way. He's not saying, boys, God's just shown me what's ahead. We need to be heading that way. 
We need to be running away from this. And I love that in, in chapter 10, you know, Jesus is at the front of the pack. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. He's not even at the back of the crowd. He's at the front. And something about that and something about Jesus in that moment was so awesome that it says the disciples were astonished and others were afraid because they saw something of the glory of God in how Jesus was walking towards embracing the cross. Even though they fully didn't understand any of what was going on. You see, Jesus is demonstrating in his resoluteness that he's determined to do the will of the Father no matter the cost. No matter the cost. And he says that in other gospel accounts. When, when in John, I think he says, you know, why would I shrink away from this hour? It was for this hour that I came into the world. The resoluteness of Jesus. So my question for you in, in that moment is, how does it make you feel? What is your response to Jesus' determination to embrace suffering and death on a cross for you? For me? How does it stir your heart to know that Jesus didn't quit? He didn't walk away. He didn't turn his back. He resolutely moved to Jerusalem. He led the way to embrace certain pain certain suffering, certain death on a cross for you. What is your response to that? What a wonderful saviour. And I think it's sobering that in Jesus' first prediction in Mark chapter 8, the, the teaching that follows immediately after that is Jesus calling on us to carry our own cross. He says in verse 34 of chapter 8, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You see, that's the essence of being a Christian is to follow in the way of our Savior, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, you know, in the West, we we don't we don't embrace suffering and pain quickly or well. If we're honest, we work really hard to avoid suffering and pain. You know, that's why we work so hard. That's why we save so well. That's why we have health insurance and we exercise and go to the gym and and all of the things we do is in some vain attempt to minimize, at least if not avoid, minimize pain and suffering in our lives. And yet, something very intrinsic to what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to take up our cross. And so my question to you is, how determined, how resolute are we to do the will of God, no matter the cost? I told you these questions were nasty. How determined are we? How resolute are we to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to embrace suffering, humiliation, rejection, pain, to honor our Savior? And what might this look like for you right now? What might this look like in your workplace, in your school, in your university, in your family, in your community?
How resolute are we to do the will of our Father, to follow in the footsteps of our Savior when there is certainty of suffering and pain. And it gets worse. The third observation is I've called human concerns. And we again see this in Jesus' first prediction. Just after Jesus has talked about his certain suffering and soon coming death, Peter pulls him aside and, try, and tries to rebuke him and tries to say, Jesus, come on, all this stuff, talk about suffering, you know, and putting it in our context. Jesus, it sounds like you're being very masochistic. Come on, you know, like you're trying to, you know, well, what's all this talk about pain and suffering? And Jesus has to rebuke him and says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So the third observation I wanted to speak about is this idea of human concerns. You see, for the disciples, this whole idea of a suffering savior was far removed from what they were expecting. They were expecting a a conquering king riding in on a white horse about to overthrow Rome. Not a suffering Messiah riding on a donkey that was going to be dead in a week. And so that's why Jesus says, Peter, you, 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 you're just so lost in your own expectations and your own dreams and your own hopes and what you want. You're so lost in your own agenda of what a Messiah ought to do and how a Messiah ought to behave that you're not seeing the, the, the agenda of God. You know, it's staggering that Jesus has just talked about his pain and his suffering and Peter's more thinking about, what he wants, what his expectation is, what, what his desire for Jesus is. And that's why I think even in both of the other accounts, it's staggering that Jesus has just talked about his coming suffering and the disciples are talking about, hey, what's in it for me? Who's the greatest? Because again, they're thinking kingdom is finally coming. God's kingdom is going to be ushered in. Rome's going to be overthrown. And if Jesus is going to be the head honcho, man, what, what does that mean for me? And that's why James and John come to Jesus and say, look, before that, all that happens, before we get to Jerusalem and you do your thing, can we just figure out who's going to have that number one seat and who gets the number two seat? Human agenda. It's staggering, isn't it? That here's Jesus talking about what's going to happen and there's no realization of what that means for them. No, no connection with Jesus' pain or suffering to be. No compassion. It's just, oh, okay, what's in it for me? And unless we are too harsh on the disciples, how often are we like that, I wonder? Where we're so preoccupied with our own agendas, our own desires, our own hopes, our own dreams, our own life. We're so busy living our lives that we lose sight of God's agenda in the world. You know, for, for many people in the world, suffering and pain is not an option they tick on their life form. It's just their daily reality. It's just their life. You know, for us, when Jesus says, take up your cross, it's almost like, hey, you, you need to choose that option. But for so many people in the world, persecuted Christians, they get handed a cross when they become a Christian. And I wonder how much we think about the pain of others and the suffering of others how much we engage with this reality there are there is so much pain and suffering in our world as we are busy living our own lives and pursuing our own dreams and our own hopes and our own agendas 
And, and even more so, so oblivious to how sometimes our actions are a direct result of the pain of the poorest people in the world. In our consumerism and, and in how we shop and discard things and the impact that that has on our en- environment and, and, and how that flows on and has the greatest effect on the poorest people in the world. I wonder how oblivious we are, how engaged, connected, how, how compassionate we are. So my question is, what human concerns are preoccupying your heart right now? And what might God be saying to you about those concerns? Have we lost sight? And I think Passion Week, Holy Week, is a great time to sit with the sin of our heart. Not in condemnation and and fear and dread, but with incredible humility and hope. Because our Savior goes ahead of us. And as by the Spirit, as we reflect this week, God exposes some of the really ugly things that we might see in our own hearts, our own agendas, whatever they might be, we can be assured that the story ends with our forgiveness and hope and security in God's love. But we need to face those ugly places first. So what human concerns are preoccupying you that you've lost sight of God's agenda. Because that's what happened with the disciples. They were oblivious to Jesus' suffering and pain to come. The last observation is this idea that Jesus talked about God's concerns. You don't, you don't have in mind the concerns of God, Jesus says, but merely human concerns. The concerns of God. It seems clear from these passages that the disciples just did not get it. They, because they never seemed to say anything about Jesus' coming suffering and death other than Peter who says, don't do it, don't talk about it. Maybe they didn't fully get it. And in chapter 9 verse 32, Mark explicitly states that. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. They didn't really appreciate or understand God's agenda. They had a very different idea about what that might be like. And maybe you're here and and maybe you don't know the significance and the meaning of of Easter and what God's agenda was in, 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 in sending Jesus. But again, Jesus makes it clear, interestingly, at the end of that story of James and John coming to talk about the seat one and seat two in in verse 45, Jesus makes it explicit what this has all been about. And he says this, for even the son of man did not come to be served. You see, he's not coming riding on a stallion, but to overthrow Rome and be the, the big boss, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's God's agenda. And see, they'd lost sight of it. 
And if you're, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus and you, or you're watching online and you're not a follower of Jesus and you've not understood the significance of Easter, then God's agenda is to restore and redeem and, and buy back, ransom back humanity to himself because the Bible says that when we rebelled and when, when God created us, he created us perfect and holy to walk in intimacy and in relationship with him. But we rejected him. We, we rebelled. We turned our back on him and we wanted to be the master of our own destiny and to do our own thing and, and, and the relationship of intimacy we had with God was broken and severed and we were rejected from God's presence and we experienced death in every part of our world and our universe and every part of our being and in every relationship death came and the Bible says that th- that rebellion is sin and, and the consequence for that sin is death and not just death physically but death spiritually and ultimately by being separated from God forever in a place called hell. And so God's agenda, which he reveals all the way back in Genesis, was to send one who would be the crusher of Satan, to be the one that pays the price for sin, to redeem and rescue humanity back to himself, to display his love plastered on a cross so that you and I could find forgiveness and relationship again, brought into the family of God, given hope and an eternal security Because Jesus paid the price for your sin and mine. That is the good news of the Bible. That is the good news of Easter. That is the agenda of God that Jesus came to accomplish. So my question to you, if you you don't know Jesus, whether you're in this room, outside, or you're watching online, is this. What will you do with this gift of forgiveness that Jesus has purchased for you at great personal cost? What will you do with this gift? As we head into Easter in this holy week, I encourage you to consider receiving this gift of God's forgiveness and love displayed in Jesus' tortured, broken, and crucified body on the cross. It was for you. It was for me. Receive it. Your life will be transformed and changed as you receive God's forgiveness and pardon and come into relationship with him and receive the life that he wants you to know and have. As I conclude, I want to challenge those of us who are Christians with this final thought and question. You see, because it is easy for us to lose sight of God's agenda, that God's agenda is for the world to hear this great good news, for for, for the world to encounter and experience God's love that was displayed at Easter. If the band can jump up, please. For, 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 For this message to be proclaimed in the nations, this is God's agenda. For his love to be experienced by all of us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So my last question for you this morning is this. How might Jesus be calling you to give your life, using the same phrase that Jesus used of himself, to give your life to accomplish his agenda in the world? How might God, how might Jesus be calling you to give your life to accomplish his agenda in the world. And what might that look like? What might that look for you, look like for you today, this week, to give your life for God's agenda? Why don't you just bow your heads and just sit with some of those thoughts?
as we sit with these thoughts, these questions, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that we would have the courage to be honest with ourselves, with you, to reflect soberly, to be challenged. Lord, as we head into this week, as we think about our wonderful Savior, Jesus, who led the way to the cross, who embraced it, who was determined to do your will, and who calls us to do the same, to embrace our cross, to do your will, to fulfill your plan and purpose and agenda in the world that all may know this wonderful news of your love displayed in Jesus, this ransom that was paid that our sins might be forgiven and that we might be reconciled to you and be your kids and brought into your family to know your goodness, to know your love in Jesus. Oh God, that you would use us, that we would lose our lives in accomplishing your agenda in our homes, in our workplaces, our schools, our universities, in our city and in the nations of the world. Speak to us this week, Father. Challenge us, confront us and move us that we might live lives to glorify our Savior King. In Jesus' name. for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.